Cheers, y'all. Well, 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 well. Ooh, that was a good one. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine little radio program and podcast known internationally as the world famous Smokin' and Toastin'. It's so nice to have you on board as we uh, get a little excited about today's about today's show because, uh, Ian, it's it's so perfect to put a show together where we're going to actually drink cheap booze. Cheap booze. Yeah. Now, we've done this before. We did the uh, the show where we did the, the multiple taste tests of um, of malt liquor. Yeah, the malt liquor one was uh, something else. And I'm still feeling a little nauseous. That was several <laughs> months ago. But, uh, but it's, you know, Ian and I joked about this, but it was like right, it was when we were still doing the show uh, in the pandemic. Uh, and, of course, we're still in the pandemic. But it was back before we returned to the studio. So we were doing... The show from home, from home, and and over Skype. That's so, a good thing. So it's, every now and then I'll uh, you know because I live in a big uh, building and has a, a front desk and a concierge downstairs. And every now and then I'll leave Ian something for the show that we're going to be tasting or whatever. I'll leave it for him in a package downstairs, and he'll swing by and pick it up. Well, in this particular week, Ian left a package for me, and I said, "How come I'm always leaving you like?" Your your <laughs> bottle of twenty five year Florida Kanye that the Florida Kanye people sent us, uh, and you're leaving me a box of malt liquor. <laughs> you know, I, it was it was very difficult for me. I actually had a basket mm-hmm. and was planning on doing like a gift basket with all oh, malt wrapping it all in up it. and all malt liquor. And, oh and at the last moment, I thought, you know, that would be hilarious. But I'm going to go ahead and just put it in a discreet <laughs> package so that. Well, yeah. it was. I would say that I enjoyed it anyway, but. Quite frankly, I didn't. I'm so. assuming from the amount of beers and stuff that go through your concierge desk, they probably think you're just hopeless anyway. Oh, well, not only do I get <laughs> shipments of stuff that I try to order from like out of state and things that aren't available here, and that arrives, but usually during the week I'll you know run out and pick up maybe the you know the spirit that we're going to have on the show and yeah, maybe some yeah. extra beer so i come back in and then of course i have to ask them for a cart so i can wheel it upstairs <laughs> and uh, so yeah they pretty much think i'm an alcoholic right. there's no doubt about it like and- that place is that place is not that big. How does he keep putting so much booze right. in it? It's like, and and then you want to offer a, an explanation, like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to drink all this myself. But that makes it seem it makes even it worse. Even worse. Yeah. Right. So, well, welcome to show number two hundred and two. We are halfway to five hundred and excited about it today. We will be, we will uh, be drinking uh, bottom shelf bourbon and uh, checking it out bottom to see shelf bourbon. yeah to see how it, how it tastes. If you're going to go the cheap Normally route, I'd say, man, I'm really excited about that, but I'm a little sketchy about that well, right now. I, I don't know if you saw on Mr. Twirly Gig. That's our bottle of bourbon we'll be tasting Ancient today. Ancient age. So here's the thing: I picked that one because it, I I found this article and we'll be referring to it during the show mm-hmm. about the best bottom shelf bourbons, and it was one of the ones that the article listed that. Should be tried if so you were, I get, if you were looking for a less expensive. I uh, get uh, on a regular basis. I get Weller, the regular mm-hmm. Weller. Yeah, not the uh, reserve. Right, uh, just the regular. And, and what does that cost a bottle? Eighteen bucks. Right, so bucks, that, that could like definitely that. be it's considered. Pretty, if you're yeah, under twenty, you're pretty bottom good. Show. Yeah, well, it, it'll be interesting for to what see. it is. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it. You know, compares to. Some of, the, well, some of the much nicer whiskeys, but this we is have, all right. We have brought some reasonably expensive bottles in, some from your collection, some that I've gone out uh-huh. and, and procured. And we even had, if you remember when the guy from Bob Dylan's uh, whiskey label was here, Heaven's Door, he even brought a bottle that retailed for $400. Yes. So uh, I don't think that's the most expensive bourbon, uh, uh, most expensive whiskey I've ever tasted, but 
It's definitely up there. That's pretty up there, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely up there. So, and it was good. Make mm-hmm. no, make no mistake about it. So, anyway, we're excited about today's show, even though we're drinking bottom shelf bourbon. Because, oh, and I just wanted to mention, right when we signed on to Facebook Live, we got a note from our buddy Christopher Hart. And if there's any, you know, he does his own, you know, show whiskey Neat, whiskey yeah. Neat, which is a great show, and he's he's you know one of the guys that has really done a lot to put our city, Houston on the map when it comes to whiskey and, and bourbon and his and uh, events, his yeah. whiskey social is is Ooh. terrific. And so if there's any one person I always feel a little self-conscious about because we have him on the show a lot. And, uh, he's an it, expert. He's an expert, exactly. And so I always feel a little self-conscious about if I'm bringing a whiskey to the show when he's here. It's like, <laughs> is he going to think, oh, man, you know nothing about whiskey. What would you bring that for? So I just noticed today that as soon as we signed on Facebook Live, he sent us a note like, hey, what's up? And I was like, oh, great. He's here when we're sampling ancient age. He's going to think we are just completely clueless You say about that, but then, but then the next time he comes on, he'll probably bring a bottle of ancient age that was like, Distilled and bottled in like 1983. Yeah, and it's really amazing. amazing. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's that's what he would do. (laughs) Uh, But the one difference will be, if we wind up telling you that the ancient age is any good, you'll be able to go out and buy a bottle. It's freely available at retail stores everywhere. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's just my little jab at Chris because he loves to bring (laughs) he loves to bring whiskeys on his show and tell us how great they are. And we go, oh, I got to get some of that, and then it's not available at retail anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, we uh, we will be trying to counterbalance the bottom shelf whiskey a little bit. I brought in some beers today that I'm hoping will be uh, beers that we'll enjoy. I've not had any of these, so I'm excited about trying them. From our friends in Arlington, Texas at Legal Draft, uh, we've brought their fall guides, their autumn lager. It doesn't classify itself as an Oktoberfest, but it has that look to it in the can, so we'll be trying that out and I see. I love this called Fall Guy. Fall Guy, yeah. Well, all their stuff at Legal Draft has it's some kind of like legal word, you know. Yeah. It's it's some something to do with a trial or a a person in a trial or something. So Fall Guy obviously would would classify for there's that. There's a there's a lawyer's um, office that I drive by on my way into downtown. So from my house to downtown is not very far, but when I take that exit, there's a lawyer. His name is Tim Hootman. And he and he's got the most unique place. Like apparently he does metal sculpture and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's got this great big. Oh, I know this place. I've seen. I've driven past that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yes. it's hard to miss. Yeah, uh, but he's got this uh, this uh, metal sign out front uh, that says uh, Tim Hoopman, appellate lawyer. Yeah, very appealing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, my wife works in a law office. Yeah, She's yeah. a legal secretary, and she has told me before that one of the named partners at her firm. Uh, a lawyer named uh, Larry Veselka has his own special um, martini, and I keep trying to get her to 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 tell me exactly what does he put in it because he calls it the Veselka, which is his own name, and he makes it with gin and vodka. So I was thinking that maybe if we can figure out how to make one, is that is that just in case your gin martini isn't strong enough? Well, I knew you were going to say that, but, <laughs> but the the idea I thought I thought would be. If we do our vodka shake-off that we've been talking about, or our, I'm sorry, our martini shake-off where we have two uh, guys in, one makes gin martini, one makes vodka martini, we compare and contrast, that maybe that would be a good final drink is the Veselka that combines uh. the two spirits into one. But I, she says that he claims it's fantastic, so I don't know if she's ever tasted one or not. 
We'll, we'll, we'll get to that, the Veselka. Remember that. Uh, also on today's uh, beer selection, uh, from Woodland Empire Brewing in Boise, Idaho, we'll be trying their Broke My Own IPA. They have a an IPA series they call the Mixtape Series, and it's their kind of rotating yeah. uh, series. And one of the latest ones from that is Broke My Own. And uh, I don't know anything about this beer. I haven't tasted it, but I did... Uh, leave uh, one over at my stepson's house in his refrigerator the other night. We got together to see the grandbaby, and I brought some beers over. That was one of them. It wound up, it wound up staying at his house when I left, and uh, he sent me a photo of it the next day, the can and poured into a glass, and this this text that said, "This is delicious." So we'll see, <laughs> nice. we'll see, uh, we'll see if it, it's as good as he claims. So, uh, and then finally. I think you're going to be excited about this one, Ian, from San Diego, California, and the Abnormal Beer Company. Love the I, I name. love the name already. Yeah, love right. the name. We'll be doing their Unification Imperial Stout. Nice. And it's a nice little bomber, and it's uh, it's looking good. And, of course, the Ancient Age Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. So it'll be a busy Ancient show. Um, CBS Sunday Morning did a segment recently where they thanked Cigar Aficionado magazine on television. Kind of an interesting and unusual thing. Usually... Anytime tobacco products are mentioned on television, it's it's oh yeah, it's, it's a scandal it, it's a, or or yeah, or it's something something negative about uh, about health risks or something like that. So we'll we'll take a look at that and find out why it happened. Um, and there's a new uh, list out. You know how we love these lists of the 40 most delicious craft beers. Now this is interesting because it's not 40 about most best delicious. selling. They didn't even ask favorites when they did this little uh, survey. They asked what beers you thought were most delicious. So it'll be interesting to see. They pared it down to 40. And they pared it down to 40. So it'll be interesting to see like what styles sort of predominate. Is, yeah, it, yeah. is it IPA heavy? Is it all about stouts and barley wines? You know, how does it how does it balance out? So that'll be that'll be fun to go through. And if we have time to get to this, uh, the best bourbon bargains according to Forbes. So this will this will fit right that in ties with our this will right? fit right in with our lower shelf uh, bourbon thing. So I have a f- I feel like I should have a lot of reverb on my voice every time I do that. Ancient age. <laughs> <laughs> I, it it will be interesting to see because I think this article is really more about um, uh, whiskeys and bourbons in the sort of Buffalo Trace price range, that right. sort of twenty to thirty. But it, it'll still be a nice addition to uh, to the show, I think. And drinking news: careful where you sit. That is our headline for today. We'll be I getting that to that already. as well. So I was so excited that last week I was able to bring you drinking news that began with the phrase, a Florida man. Because yes. that, always, that, that is... always seems to make it work real well for you. So um, so interesting week for me. I have been pretty busy. How about you? Have you had uh, time to mellow out for a minute? I started working a little bit. Yeah? Hopefully uh, you had time teaching, to mellow out. Teaching and... some kids uh, guitar lessons. That... I got out to... Uh, Smoke a cigar this morning. That was pretty Good. nice. Good. Well, tell me, uh, tell me about what you tasted. Went rummaging through my humidor, and mm-hmm. I realized I don't think I've ever done a um, <clears throat> a review on the classic Nub Maduro. Now you're a big fan of the Nubs. I'm a smaller ring gauge guy, and uh, we'll enjoy a, a Nub occasionally. But the thing that always blows me away when I have one is that it looks like it would be a really short smoke. And it's not. And it's not. Yeah, it's 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 it may only be about that long, but it lasts about as long as some of the Churchills that I've had. So, um, so <laughs> Just this to make is sure, the nub- I did send you pictures, right? Okay. Did I send you three emails or two? Three. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Good. So awesome. Because I, had, I took place? some fun pictures of the. Nub. Oh, good. I'll, I'll be interested to see them. Uh, the Nub Maduro. What'd you What'd you find? So the Nub Maduro is a 
uh, it's the Numbaduro 460. It's a four inch by 60 ring gauge uh, cigar. And so it's short. It's basically, they tried to make it smoke like a Churchill with half the length. Okay. And uh, their their initial idea for Nub, I believe, was to, to have a cigar start right in its sweet spot. Right. They do a pretty good job. I got to tell you, um, I'm a fan of Nubs. I, I like them. I like the tubos especially. Like this is just an absolute convenience factor. Is the tubos you just stick in your pocket? They're it's short, so easy. they're small, but it's still a decent length smoking cigar. It right. smokes like a full size cigar. So, uh, so it's not just a twenty minute smoke. You're looking at forty minutes to an hour at least. Okay, it's a beautiful little the cigar. appearance. Dark the brown, semi smooth, slightly oily, firm overall. They're always made well. Um, I've had many nubs, uh, especially the Maduro being my favorite in the line. I've had many of these. It has the simple single band on it, uh, brown with the gold around the edges. Uh, says nub. The pre-light sniff on this earth, chocolate, spice, tea leaf, cedar. That's what I got. Right off at the pre-light draw, I used a clip on it. Effortless. Earthiness and spice, hints of chocolate and coffee. Really nice. I just wanted to rhyme that. <laughs> um, to, <laughs> to the initial light, tangy pepper and spices backed up by rich earth. Right off the bat, just, just this great earthiness coming out. The first third of this. Cedar and chocolate dominate the palate, by, uh, followed by pepper and spices. Finishes with coffee. Solid ash, perfect burn mm, nice the second third of this same now you're talking about thirds on a cigar this short so you're talking about really only like an, in, an inch and a half in and you're into the second third yeah but that being said it takes about the same amount of time as a cigar that was six inches long. right right you know i mean the bigger ring gauge and it smokes pretty slow the ash is solid I don't know if those pictures are up yet, but the ash is well, I'm very seeing, solid. I'm seeing a little ash on the one that, that's up now. but <laughs> By the last third of this, the pepper begins to ramp up. The cedar is very strong, and the coffee is more present. The chocolate notes remain. Solid ash, perfect burn. Nice. When I say solid ash, I didn't actually lose the ash on this cigar until the last third of this cigar. Nice. So I started playing around. You know the ad that they have for uh, Nub? Yeah, where it's got the where they have the where like almost all of the cigar is a, an ash and there's only a tiny I, bit left. I recreated that. Oh, nice! So this is what you were saying about <laughs> so having fun. So this is what you're gonna see. I had a little photos. fun with it. Well, I can see, uh, you know, the photo that I'm looking at now. It's it's burned in about halfway. Or but so. wait, there's more because I because it lasted even longer than that. <laughs> and I so just great. stood it up on the ashtray. On I can its see ash. that. Yeah, I love that. Um, even after I took the label off, it burned past the label, and I did that. And then right at the last third of the cigar, uh, the ash fell off. Did it get on your shirt? It fell onto my shorts. Of course, yes. <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> <laughs> you, right on my your clothing has this magnetic ability to attract it cigar does. ash. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the price to quality on this cigar. All right. What does the, the nub the like that cost? The burn is perfect on these things, even if it changes a little bit. Um, yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? That is Even great. if it changes a little bit, even if it gets a little uneven, it always uh, fixes itself. I don't think in my, in my memory I've had a, a nub that burned badly. This uh, usually costs about $7. Wow. Six or seven dollars for for a nub Maduro. Um, that I give it a five. Yeah, at six to seven dollars. However, I bought these on sale. I got a box of them and I paid roughly four dollars a piece for each one of these. So I bet that at number goes up at piece, that price. Huh? I give it a seven. Yeah, it's a well, that's great a solid, cigar. Four dollars yeah. a piece when solid you can find number. them on sale. But they're worth seven dollars every day. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. That's and that's my Nubaduro story. There you have I it. I love it. I love it. That's good stuff. And you know, it's it's always interesting when you go to the humidor thinking, what do I have in here that I could smoke and talk about on the show? 
that I haven't uh, smoked and talked about already. And sometimes it's the most obvious things yeah, that so you always have. Yeah, they're so ubiquitous in my humidor that I never think about talking about them, you know? Yeah. Our show, by the way, is brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com, my spelled just Got like it sounds. Shirts. They do have some great shirts. And uh, they are a sponsor of the show, so we ask you to be a supporter of them. They have the coolest uh, shirts for cigar fans, all starting under $20. Grab them for you or anyone you know that loves cigars at MyCigarShirts.com because cigars. Because cigars. Remember, you're even cooler if you buy two. That's right. And by the way, Ian, uh, I've, I've heard through the grapevine that there will be uh, a, a number of new designs coming to MyCigarShirts.com soon. Uh. So I'm wondering if maybe there's... Some sort of phrase that you've said here More on the phrases. show that may show up on a shirt <laughs> soon. On a shirt. <laughs> the the most popular one is a, is a phrase that Ian said here on the show, which is, "You can't hurry up and smoke a cigar." I love that. That's shirt. That's a great shirt. Yeah, it really is. So I had an interesting uh, cigar this week, and it was one that, believe it or not, I had not smoked before, but I've smoked a number of the ones in this line. I tasted the Undercrown Sun Grown Robusto. And oh, yeah. now I, I love the regular Undercrowns. Mm -hmm. I love the Maduros. The uh, the Sun Grown was the third installment in this line from Drew Estate. And if I remember the story correctly, the reason Undercrown came to be was that Drew Estate had their very best rollers working on the Liga Provadas. Mm -hmm. And the Liga Pravada is just a fantastic That's, cigar. Yeah, and they use okay. some pretty uh, you know some pretty rare and expensive tobacco in it. And so what was happening was that the rollers, who were allowed to smoke while they do their job, they were smoking too many of the Liga Pravadas. And there was this huge demand for them that Drew Estate wasn't being quite able to fill. So they went into the rollers and said, listen, we appreciate everything you do. You're welcome to smoke. Please don't smoke the Liga Pravadas for a while until we can catch up with this demand. So the rollers, on their own, decided to put together a whole other blend of tobacco just for themselves so that they could smoke. And I guess Jonathan Drew and some of the guys at Drew Estates wound up trying them and saying, these are fantastic. Can you make these so we can release them? And that's how the underground nice. line was actually born for Drew Estate. So the uh, Sun Grown is the third installment in the in the line, and the others have gotten you know great ratings in uh -huh. the magazines and stuff. Uh, it is a, a cigar sport, sporting a Sun Grown Ecuadorian tobacco wrapper uh, binder and filler in it is from Nicaragua. So you're expecting it to be a fairly strong cigar, and it is. Uh, it's also a really uh, pretty cigar, deep brown, fairly smooth wrapper, very classy auburn There's and a little gold reddish band. Kind yeah. of it's got just, brown, yeah, just yeah. this little bit of red, which is enhanced by the band, which has got this yeah. auburn and gold on it, which just makes the whole thing look a little more uh, red. The pre-light on this baby offered me some notes of leather and wood, and I got the sense it was going to be a bit on the spicy side. Uh, that wound up being a correct assumption. Uh, I used a punch, I lit it up, and I was greeted with a nice spicy blast. Now, it wasn't exactly that traditional Nicaraguan pepper blast right. that I get from so many of the AJs that I know and that I smoke mm. pretty regularly. Um, instead, this is more like, I don't know, a combination of different spices. It was hard for me to, it was, wasn't really red pepper. Maybe it was almost like Habano pepper in there just a bit. I don't know. Whatever it was, it uh, it kind of you kind of got it on the front of the tongue, mm -hmm. whereas the Nicaraguan pepper, sometimes you get more towards the back of the palate. Right, right. Uh, so it was a very interesting experience, and, and I liked Green it. Green pepper is a little more front of the tongue Yeah, as and, well. and maybe, there was, yeah. maybe there was some of that. It was spicy, but it was very uh, pleasant. This, this 
Underground Sun Grown was very robust and full-bodied, as I was expecting from the very beginning. First third gave me plenty of leather and spice, and second third, this little bit of subtle sweetness kind of started to develop that was a really nice sort of counterbalance to the spiciness. It That, that will either work or it won't, and in this case, it totally totally worked mm. it made the made the cigar nice and uh, you know nice and complex uh, especially for you know such a full-bodied smoke I, I mentioned this I think with one of the last full-bodied cigars that I talked about is like you appreciate when they can be really powerful and still have a lot of complexity yeah. some of the really fun powerful cigars are really more like kind of a one-note thing and they're still very enjoyable but when you get this kind of complexity as well it's it's a really good thing last third ramped the strength up uh, even a little more and gave me some flavors of toasty wood and some cinnamon on the retrohale which was kind of cool nice. um i really enjoyed it it's a bold cigar construction was quite good lots of smoke and an even burn at seven to eight dollars a stick now it's a robusto if it had been a toro or longer it probably would have even gotten even a higher rating, but at seven to eight dollars a stick, I enjoyed it enough to to give it a slight bump above its price. So I'll say price to quality, uh, five point five. It it was it was good. I had no problem paying seven to eight. If it had been nine, yeah, I think I probably still would have let, been okay. Let with. me get this straight. You smoked a cigar that wasn't made by AJ Fernandez. I, this is several weeks in a row. <laughs> I've had a cigar that wasn't made by AJ. Speaking of AJ, by the way, I read this week where he's going to be re, uh, releasing his first. Uh, cigars that are available in a bundle instead of a box. Oh. So I'm assuming now the last call by AJ Fernandez is kind of his less expensive right. line. So I'm assuming these may be in that same general price range, but the last call still come in a box. These will be a bundle. So one of the things I like about bundled cigars is you're not paying for the box, right? But they have a tendency to often be the less expensive yeah. ones or the short fillers or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see how these uh, how these come out and how they work. I don't know where the man's getting all this tobacco. I really don't. With all the different things he's doing for different companies. I don't know how he keeps track of with, it. With, with all the different cigars he has in his own line. Um, and yet here he is releasing something new. So that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting and fun. Okay, hopefully the show will be interesting and fun today as we drink some bottom shelf bourbon, talk a little bit about, uh, about cheaper whiskeys, and uh, we'll be trying the new uh, Fall Guy Autumn Lager from Legal Draft in our next segment. Plus, Drinking News is on the way and a whole lot more, so stay with us for a fun show number 202, brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. This is Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is Smoking and Toasting, show number 202. We are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. It is a great website with uh, cool T-shirts that are you know just perfect for cigar lovers. And if you uh, are one yourself, you should check it out. And they're also perfect for gift-giving, Ian. Hint, hint, Crew's birthday coming up. Few I, feel, weeks. I feel like somebody's <laughs> getting older at the end of this month. Yeah, someone is getting older, and it's definitely me. And they're trying to tell me something. I feel like I'm getting older every day is what I feel like. Uh, welcome back to show number 202. We'll be talking about drinking bottom shelf bourbon, and we tried setting something up during the break to see if it would work. So, Ian, tell us about the, uh, the bourbon we're going to be drinking today. Are you talking about... Ancient age. Oh, see, it worked. Kentucky Street Bourbon Whiskey. Yeah, it worked. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Try it uh, one more time. What was the name of that bourbon it's again, Ian? 
Ancient Age. That Dude, works. That sounds that, awesome. That works pretty well, actually. <laughs> you know, we are so easily entertained here at Smoking and Toasting with our little we do a red whole segment sound effects box <laughs> and and some some reverb on the board. Uh, we spare every expense, as you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's part of the fun. Please welcome back to the show. We are uh, excited to be uh, trying a new uh, draft beer here. Well, it's not. It's not a draft, technically, but it comes from the folks at Legal Draft in Arlington, Texas. So, Ian, while while we pour that beer, I want to get started on the first I part. feel like you're trying to tell me that I should pour the beer. I think you should pour the beer, sir. Um, um, it's, uh, it's a good thing for you to do while I maybe start working on the first part of this list of the 40 most delicious craft beers. Oh, now that was interesting. We'll be playing with that, I'm sure. So, uh, so uh, when it comes to beer, this article says, and this was an article in USA Today, by the way. Uh, it says, there's nothing wrong with everyday thirst-quenching lager, readily available, easy to quaff, and usually inexpensive. But lovers of craft beer look for something more than just a cooling tipple, choosing from an ever-growing wealth of artisanal brews, offering complexity and unique combinations of flavors and aromas. I have a feeling the author was getting paid by the word on this, <laughs> on this article. Anyway, um, there were, as of last summer, according to the Brewers Association, uh, 7,480 active craft breweries around America, which was up just a little over 1,000 from 2018 to 2019. And, of course, they all love to experiment, so there's... Uh, uh, there's so many beers out there, so they said to make the job a little easier, they compiled this list of what might fairly be called the 40 most delicious craft beers made in America. The ranking is based on scores and reviews from a variety of sources, with particular attention paid to Beer Advocate's annual rating of what it considers to be the top 250 beers in the world. So they took, you know, on Untapped and, and Beer Advocate in these sites, People drink the beers, they report that they're drinking the beers, and they give their own rating to mm -hmm. the beers. So this kind of takes it to the people as opposed to just a, uh, you know, a group of beer experts, let's say, that might, be, that might be telling you what they like. So starting at number 40, and maybe we can... Uh, let's, did you already taste this beer? I did. So First off, I want to talk about how it smells. Mm -hmm. If you were to walk in and someone was baking a pumpkin pie, yeah. and then you take out the pumpkin smell... And just say with that baking spice and sort of uh, flour and, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it smells is. like. It's, it's pretty awesome, actually. So it almost could be considered a pumpkin beer or an Oktoberfest. It's not a pumpkin to. beer. It's more Oktoberfesty, but it's like they don't, they don't call it either one of those. It, uh, they, say it's, they say it is. An autumn, autumn lager? Is that what they say? Yeah, they call it autumn lager, fall guy autumn lager. Uh, you have the right to drink great beer with flavor and character made locally and enjoy uh, enjoyed with friends and family. Know your rights. You can almost feel the nip in the air with this autumn lager. He's is this from Texas? Nip in the air? Yes, oh. it's it's, uh, oh, it's, it's from, from Arlington. From Arlington. That's, yeah, that's, that's weird. Okay, they get, they get a little nip up there. In the, you, know, <laughs> so you can't feel much nip in the air. In yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. a nip in the air um, for us. You happens. can almost feel the nip in the air with this autumn lager. Cinnamon and nutmeg give it a. Uh, give a spicy nose to a malty round mm -hmm. mouthfeel. I agree with all of that. This is the maltiness, really nice, combined with that sort of cinnamon uh, vibe that that you were mentioning, is what gives it that pumpkin pie without the pumpkin uh, flavor. Yeah, yeah. And the nutmeg, you know. So I'm a little more sensitive to nutmeg since we had it last week. We scraped it over our. Uh, 
Yes, we had one that uh, I wish I could go to a tiki bar (laughs) uh, beer. That beer was so good. It's kind of real present in my memory, and so it stood out pretty big. What I like about this is that um, on the aftertaste, on the finish, you can almost get that sensation of your mouth. You know when you eat a really good piece of pie with a homemade pie crust, and it leaves that little almost like flour uh, vibe in your mouth after you crunch Mm -hmm. up the crust. Uh, You get a little bit of that on the finish for this beer. This is actually quite good and very different uh, from a lot of the Oktoberfest that are out there. The the can on this has a, it says fall guy. It's all like nice muted Mm -hmm. fall colors. And it's got a, an acorn with arms and legs falling out of a tree into a pile of leaves. I like it. Fall guy. Makes That's sense, right? Yeah, makes draft. sense. Hey, good job, guys. Yeah, this those is... guys have, have put together some really great beers. We haven't had one of theirs on the show in a while. So I was excited when I saw this and realized it was one we hadn't tasted. And That's we could, delicious. We could try something new. On the list of 40 breweries, uh, uh, or, or not breweries, but the most delicious, the 40 most delicious craft beers. At number 40 uh, is an entry from Sierra Nevada. And it's their Sierra Nevada Bigfoot. Now, the Bigfoot is a dark but extremely hoppy uh, ale. It's an English-style barley wine, so it's a 9.6, and it's available seasonally in the winter months. I'm trying to remember, have we done the Bigfoot on the show? I think we have. Bigfoot, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, It's good stuff. That seems right down your wheelhouse. Although, if I remember... It is a little more of an American barley wine. Yeah, it's, which it's, is not... it's more hoppy than I generally prefer. I don't mind it a little bit, but uh, like we did a vertical of it uh, mm-hmm. at the uh, brew club yeah. a couple weeks ago. And, and by the third or fourth one, I was like, well, I'm kind of done with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes in at number 40. At 39 from Avery Brewing in Colorado is their beer called Tweak. And I don't think we've had this one yet. I don't think so either. It's a bourbon barrel aged imperial stout with plenty of punch. It is, are you ready? 16% ABV. I love it already. That is a boozy beer. That is very boozy. Uh, it says it has a dose of coffee. It was originally labeled as meth addict, M E P H, meth addict, and also coffee stopheles, which I think is a great name. Nice. Uh, but it's currently called Tweak. So uh, maybe back to the that's maybe a reference back to the meth addict. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, at number thirty eight is S nine. It comes from Transmitter Brewing in New York. It's a Brooklyn uh, born brew, pale and live alive in the Belgian saison style, but also full of flavor. They say with a bracing and slightly bitter finish. We've had beer, I think, from Transmitter before, but I don't think we've tried that one. Mm-mm. So we'll have to keep ourselves on the lookout for that. Uh, let me give you a few more of these. Uh, from Trillium Brewing in Massachusetts, uh, their beer called Headroom. It's described by the people at the brewery as the boldest, most daring, hoppiest beer we could possibly dream up. Mm-hmm. So this strikes me as something I would probably like. And, and you Maybe, you yeah. Yeah. It's a New England IPA. They say it's full of uh, tropical fruit and citrus flavors. The beer advocate ranking on it is a 4.64 out of 5. So that's pretty good. Um, from... Uh, from Two Roads Brewing in Connecticut comes beer number 36. And several of these are beers I haven't heard of or, or tried, so that's kind of exciting. Um, the Area 2 Table Terroir. Huh. Uh, the beer justifies borrowing the term terroir from wine tasting jargon. And that basically just means all the of the, earth, yeah. Yeah, the combined environmental factors that give wine grapes their distinctive character, particularly the soil. Uh, and anyway, they source the malt 
hops, and yeast all in their native state of Connecticut. It is low in alcohol. It's only 3.7%, but it has a lightly fruity character with some peppery spice to it. Area 2 that sounds kind of terroir. fun. Yeah, it does sound fun. At 35 is our old friends from Bell's Brewery in Michigan and their Expedition Stout, which is bourbon barrel yeah. aged. And this one I know you've had. Yes. This is dark and chocolatey, um, a little little bit of a whiskey flavor to yep. it, if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, good good stuff. Uh, we'll do a few more of these. From, uh, from Stone Brewing in California comes one that I don't know if I've had. Now, we've had their stout, but have we had the Fyodor? Imperial uh-uh. Stout? I don't think we have. Never had it's it. a dense, heavy Russian Imperial Stout. It weighs in at 13.1%. And uh, it floods the palate, they say, with flavors of chocolate, coffee, caramel, and vanilla. It sounds like which, you have to like cut that like a loaf. Yeah, all of which sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like fruitcake or the Fyodor? I'll take the Fyodor. Thank you. Uh, the Abyss is... Um, is a uh, oh, beer from Deschutes mm-hmm. uh, in Colorado, Deschutes. Uh, it uh, pulls in a 4.5 out of 5 rating on Beer Advocate. It is a wintertime stout brewed with molasses Delicious. and licorice and aged in oak. Smoky and complex. Comes in a great-looking bottle, yep. too. Uh, at 32 is Double Ganger from Treehouse Brewing in Massachusetts. A lot of Massachusetts. Double Ganger? Double Ganger. Not Doppelganger, but Double Ganger, which I guess means the same thing. Uh, it is cloudy and frothy, but fresh and juicy, with citrusy hops character and plenty of fruit on the palate, and an attractively bitter finish. So even though it doesn't identify as an IPA, it, it sounds, sounds like, like an, an IPA. IPA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And at number 31, one that we are familiar with uh, from Goose Island in uh, Illinois, the Chicago area, uh, rating a 4.66 out of 5. It's the Bourbon County Stout. Yeah. That and that was, is that is that just worth good. getting yeah. every year when it comes out. Uh, it is very chocolatey. Uh, it's dark, dark black. And even though it's owned by AB, they, uh, the brewers still seem to take quite a bit of pride. It is this, also so. the original. Mm-hmm. It's aged in its most recent incarnation in a combination of wild turkey, buffalo trace, and Heaven Hill bourbon barrels. Oh, that sounds. Oh, this sounds just amazing, so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> and it adds the uh, the sort of pronounced whiskey note to it. So, all right, we'll pick up with the list again when we uh, come back in in a uh, in another segment here. There's also a lot. Uh, couple couple quick questions yes. on. Uh, um, on the comments here, Blake was asking, "What's this cigar called?" The two cigars we uh, we reviewed today were the uh, Nub Maduro 460 and the uh, uh, the Sun Grown, the Underground Sun Grown Robusto. Yeah, yeah. And it was really good. I, I I think we both really would give big thumbs yes. up. Yes, and then he also followed up with another question. So I want to sound like James Earl Jones. Okay, go I ahead. believe the answer is yes. Yes, <laughs> I do. Just like James Earl Jones. I like it. <laughs> Uh, so you didn't tell us what the question was. No, that was it. Oh, that was it. Okay. <laughs> so do you want to sound like? Yeah, yes, I do. Oh, do you? Oh, that was the question. I got it. All right, all right. So, all right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We have more to taste here on the show today, and I'm really excited about this IPA. Broke my own from Woodland Empire. We'll get to that in the next segment. Plus, I want to finish out this list of, of beers because we want to get to talking about uh, bottom shelf bourbon and uh, trying some of the. Uh, I'm sorry, Ian. What's what's the name of the uh, bourbon we'll be trying today? Ancient Age. You know, that's going to get old for everybody listening, but not for us. <laughs> not, not for me. <laughs> not, for, not for either of us. We're going to keep enjoying it. All right, we'll be back at Smoking and Toasting Show number 202. We'll be drinking bottom shelf bourbon, so I'm glad we at least got to start with a really good beer. We'll be right back. Nice. 
band from Austin, Texas called Squint there. Uh, check those boys out if you're in the Austin area. I, uh, I've seen them live. They're a lot of fun. I, I don't, to be honest, don't completely know if they're still together. They gave me permission a long time ago uh, to use that song on any of our uh, shows, so um, that's uh, that's a lot of fun. By the way, all of the music used here on Smoking and Toasting is used by permission. Uh, so that people keeps us, we know. People we know and stuff we think is pretty cool, and it keeps us out of uh, legal trouble in the uh, in the copyright world. So. I know. I, I had to uh, suppress the urge earlier when uh, when we had the Fall Guy beer. I wanted to play the Fall Guy theme song mm-hmm, in the background. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered. Yeah. <sighs> no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, CBS Television has actually, and, and I'm, I'm in agreement with some of what you'll hear about this uh, in the story. I love their show, CBS Sunday Morning. I got introduced to it a while back. It's a kind of a... 60 Minutes-ish news show, but it doesn't take itself quite so seriously hmm. as 60 Minutes often does. That's not a knock on 60 Minutes. It's just a more serious kind of show. Right. This one is a little more lighthearted. They do all these great features. They often do music features, which I enjoy because they're not just on the three biggest artists in the world. They'll, you know, they'll do features on a really offbeat or upcoming or interesting uh, band or artist, and they do they do just really interesting stuff. And what I particularly like about it is they don't it doesn't become partisan it doesn't become like trying to put out a particular worldview it's just kind of reporting on cool stuff that they that they find so it's good because you don't get worked up right one way or another whether you agree or disagree like and on a, on a sunday morning although i watch most of the clips on youtube these days but uh, on a sunday morning that's the last thing you want you know you're not looking you're not looking to get worked up it's sunday morning for god's sake you're you're looking for huevos rancheros that's that's what you're looking for <laughs> that's right. on a sunday morning so anyway on the 6th of September, uh, on CBS News Sunday Morning, which is hosted by Jane Pauley, um, they showed a copy of Cigar Aficionado magazine. And on the screen with the... Uh, and, they, and they weren't trying to light it on fire no, because it's about cigars? I know. That's, this is what I love about this story. Uh, they showed the issue of the, the May-June issue of Cigar Aficionado with the words, Best Damn Show on Television emblazoned on the cover. And apparently in the May-June issue, uh, senior editor uh, Gregory Mott, I think is who it is? Uh, Gregory Matola, yeah. He uh, he did the cover story, and he talked about how much he loved CBS Sunday Morning nice. and called it the best damn show on television. Uh, actually, he called it the greatest show on television. Uh, a program, he said, that always seems to lift us up rather than tear things down. So... Um, the camera comes back to Jane Polly, and she says, "Wow, we thank you for that. We uh, certainly try." So, I just I had to mention it because it was just this this short segment about something that had to do with cigars on broadcast television that wasn't negative. And they're not getting lambasted for right. showing a cigar aficionado well, magazine. Well, I'm sure they did. You know, there'll be somebody out there who yeah, somebody's going to be offended. The people who tried to take down Nick Jonas. <laughs> Yeah, who by the way still seems to be doing fine. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess uh, the Nick report. Uh, uh, the Nick report. Yes, <laughs> that was fun for a while. We had something to tell you about Nick Jonas every week, and then he kind of did. Anyone it. ever try his beer? 
Uh, no, is it a beer or did he? Was that? It was a beer, wasn't there? We have to go back and look. We have to actually find that. Whatever it was, was it? Maybe it's a vodka. Oh, that's right. They had the oh, Jonas Brothers right. special edition of Coors Light. So yeah, I've tried. Coors right, Light. right. Because we're gonna make the uh, the uh, we're gonna see if like when it when it stops being cold, the mustache grows in or the <laughs> that's beard grows exactly in. Exactly right. His his facial hair starts to grow. <laughs> that works Easy for me. Facial hair. It's I'm not cold so enough. into that whole idea. <laughs> uh, back to our back to our list for a a beer that I must tell you I enjoy far more than I enjoy Coors Light with or without the cold facial hair. Uh, is Bell's Brewery's Hop Slam Ale, which comes yeah. in at number 30. It's hopped with six different varieties of hops, but they soften it with a touch of honey, and it's very fragrant, and uh, and it's about 10%. So this is they call it mm, Hop Slam a for a reason. Yes. It's, a, it's a big beer for an IPA. Allagash Brewing in Maine is a great brewery, but yeah. I have not had this particular one. Maybe you have. It's called River Trip. It's number 29 mm, on the I've list. And it's a light, accessible, refreshing coriander-spiced Belgian-style session ale, which means it's a low-strength, well-balanced beer brewed, you know, for drinkability. Interesting. Uh, it's about 4.8%. For me, coriander, you have to be careful. Like, it can yeah. be really good, but if you overdo it, it, it kind of takes over everything, and, and so it's one of those uh, spices. But it sounds sounds very interesting, and I want to try one of those. Um Hill Farmstead Brewery in Vermont comes in at number 28 with a farmhouse ale that may have the most interesting name on here. It's called Anne, like a woman's name. Anne. Anne. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like it. A fruity uh, farmhouse ale produced by the uh, breweries. They take their similarly named Anna Ale uh, and they age it, basically. It, it's brewed with 20% Vermont wildflower honey. And so they take this and they age it in French oak wine barrels, and that becomes uh, Anne. It makes me think of there was one of the Bishop's Barrel series that we had from uh, yeah, Saint that Arnold that was that was that Chardonnay style. Barrels. Oh yes, my God, yes. it was so good. I, I I need to go back and remember. Yeah, I which think that was a Belgian was. triple in Chardonnay barrels or mm -hmm. something close to that. It was so good. Alesmith Brewing in California comes in at twenty-seven oh, with their Speedway Stout. Yeah, it's buddy. a Vietnamese coffee stout. Uh, it's the most popular. The Vietnamese coffee is the most popular of their series of Speedway stouts. Uh, it's twelve percent and made with four varieties of Vietnamese coffee. Uh, when I think of Vietnamese coffee, I always think of the rocket fuel uh, right. made by Eighth Wonder, which is also very good. Yeah, which is available local, I'm yep. sure, but not, not too yeah. far. But that's a fantastic but That's a very, too, yeah. very good um, uh, coffee beer. Uh, Black Note Stout. So, uh, so I'm noticing a trend here. Lots of stouts I see that. on this list. Black Note Stout comes in at number 26, and it is from Bell's Brewery, also in Michigan. So, so far on our list, Bell's has had more entries than uh, than any other brewery. Uh, they describe it as creamy, malty, and aromatic. It's an imperial stout. Have we had Black Note? Uh-uh. I don't think we have. We need to write that wrong here on the show very soon. Uh, they describe it as creamy, malty, and aromatic. It's an imperial stout that's complex and intense with a noticeable bourbon barrel character, but they say it remains easily drinkable. I am not familiar with this next brewery, but I love their name. They're from Vermont. It's called Lawson's Finest Liquids. I don't <laughs> Isn't that know great? that one either. Uh, it's a uh, beer called Sip of Sunshine, and it comes in at number 25. It's a hazy, bittersweet IPA, and uh, it comes in a bomber, and I'm just, I'm just looking at the picture, and it looks absolutely uh, delicious. From Side Project Brewing in Missouri, we've had uh, a number we've of their beers. We've had Side Project. Um, number 24 is the Fuzzy, a wild or sour ale made with wild yeast and or 
various bacteria. It's flowery and fruity, brewed in uh, Missouri with white peaches and fermented and aged in Chardonnay barrels. That I'd really like to try that. That's, that sounds That fun. sounds delicious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Speedway Stout Bourbon Barrel Aged from Ale Smith makes an appearance on the list. So two of their Speedway Stouts have made it before, and here's yet another stout. Uh, brewed with locally sourced Ryan Brothers Coffee. And roasted barley and aged for up to, to a year in bourbon barrels. They say it's chocolate, vanilla, and coffee in the mouth with a hint of bourbon flavor. I'm That's glad we have a stout coming today because all these talking about delicious, all these stouts yes. is making me kind of kind of crave that uh, that stout flavor. Uh, at number 22, I have not had this, but I've heard a lot about it. It's Zombie Dust from Three Floyds uh, Brewing in Indiana. I have had that. You have had Zombie yes. Dust. Now, now it's a pale ale. Um, it has the uh, Yakima Valley Citra hops. It is a bit resinous in the nose. They say fruity and yeasty. Was it too mm-hmm. much for you on the on the? It was. The it was. A, it was nice to split a bottle with a buddy of mine mm-hmm. when he came back from a trip and he goes, "Hey, hey, you got to come over, check this out." So, uh, so we sat down, and split a bottle. It was nice. Uh, I think the, it would be more along your style. You would definitely probably enjoy that more than me, but I did enjoy. I do, I do like those really splitting that when, with them. When sometimes I get a really hoppy beer and I just go crazy. I had one last week. That I hadn't had in a long time, and it was the More Cowbell Double IPA from that one is Buffalo unapologetically Bio. resinous, and and it was so delicious. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if Ian would go for this, but man, is it good? Oh man! It, but yes, it, unapologetically resinous is a good yes. a good way to describe it. But I was in the mood for that, yeah. So it just totally hit yeah. me right, you know. And I like that. I think that's an okay beer, but again, it's not something I reach for on the shelf. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, some of them are just. I will say probably my favorite. A beer or half a beer of it a lot of times is very much enough for me. Probably my favorite from those guys has is still that copper ale. The 16, I always forget what year it is. 16, 1836. 1836. Oh, that's you. an amazing beer. Yeah, that I just love that. There's yeah, one of the places I used fantastic. to go see bands play a lot that uh, they always had it at the yeah. bar there, and I was just like, oh, that's just fun. Yeah, it's a, absolute, such that's, a wonderful They call beer. it a copper ale. Mm-hmm. So It's got this wonderful chocolate note yeah. to it that's just, just incredible. At number 21, uh, this is probably my favorite beer name so far on the list. It's from, uh, from uh, Funky Buddha Brewery in Florida. It's, it's called Morning Wood. And, and it's uh, it, they say it's definitely a beer for breakfast. Uh, it's twelve percent ABV. It's a porter that's bourbon barrel aged and flavored with coffee, bacon, and maple syrup. I've had some funky Buddha beers, and that sounds right up right along their lines right there. Um, at number twenty is Parabola, a Firestone Walker beer, and part of their Imperial Stout that comes in the big boxes. Yeah, well, and. I don't know what the word parabola means, but I know it's That's, the name of a tool song. Uh, <laughs> so, parabola is is uh, the natural arc that you get, like if you throw something. Right, so that's why it's the name of a tool song. That that fits perfectly. Or like if you hang a string from two points or a chain from two points, that resulting shape of it is well, a parabola. This beer from Firestone Walker, who in my mind can do just about no wrong, uh, is 14% ABV. It's an imperial stout, and it comes with uh, it comes with a rating on Beer Advocate of four point six five out That's of five. That's pretty good. We got to try this. This this looks fantastic. Well, I'll be on the lookout for some of that very soon. Um, all right, number nineteen is KBS, which is the Kentucky yeah. Breakfast Stout from Founders. Uh, it is also an imperial stout. You noticing a trend here? Uh, rich and malty. It is what Founders calls a massive amount of coffee and chocolates, uh, and they say that uh, one critic on Beer Advocate wrote. 
the look is epic, black like Texas crude oil. Yeah. And it is one of the darkest beers that I've ever seen. It is uh, it is quite good. That's at 19. Toppling Goliath out of Iowa has number 18. It's the Assassin. Uh, it is also a dark beer. Plenty of malt on the nose, rich and chewy, uh, with chocolate, raisin, dates, and caramel on the uh, palate. 4.7 out of 5 on Beer Advocate. Wow, we've had a few Toppling Goliath. We yes, haven't we had, had that, though. I don't think I we've think. had the Assassin. So this is oh, a, did again, we? I don't think we have. Oh, okay. So this I, is one we'll keep, we'll keep looking for. Lawson's Finest Liquids uh, comes back uh, on the list at number 17 with Double Sunshine. So the first one was... The regular sunshine. This is a double IPA. Additional hops and malt. Uh, it's reminiscent of their sips of sip of sunshine. They say, but it's maltier and uh, has uh, still has a lot of that uh, fruity character to it. Um, the Lost Abbey in California, which mm-hmm. we've had a number of their beers, and they're just these guys are just beer artisans, yes. and they just make interesting and creative stuff. Uh, with a four point six six out of five rating on Beer Advocate. Uh, it's their Golden State interpretation of the classic Belgian-style goose called Duck Duck Goose. Love the name. Love the idea. Uh, it's a type of lambic, they say, fermented with wild yeast and bacteria made by blending young and older barrel-aged beers. Duck Duck Goose. We'll, uh, we'll have to check G-E-U-S-S? that out. Actually, it's spelled G-O-O-Z. But oh. the name of the actual name Goose, the actual style name, is spelled G U E U Z E. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah. So I think that means something in a language that's not a very nice word too. But we won't go there. <laughs> um, in Persian, I think. Uh, number fifteen is the Bourbon County Coffee Stout from Goose Island. Now this is um, the coffee dosed version of their uh, Bourbon County Stout. You can go ahead and open that up and pour it if you like. Oh, it's yeah? just sitting there being. Being kind. See if we can get an epic beer opening. Okay, here we go. Wow. That sounded like you were opening a beer on Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) That's what that sounded like. Uh, anyway, the Bourbon County Coffee Stout, it's the coffee-infused version of the Bourbon County uh, Stout from Goose Island. It comes in at number 15, so they like that even better than than the regular one. At 14, from Bottle Logic in California, we've had a few of their beers on the show, the Fundamental Observation, a heady imperial stout, blended with Madagascar vanilla beans and aged in bourbon barrels, rich and dark. I would say in this this list so far, we're up to number 13, and it's it's very stout. It's heavy. very stout, heavy. Yes, it is. Uh, at thirteen is SR seventy one. It's a fourteen percent ABV, intense, complex imperial stout, syrupy and raisiny with notes of chocolate and marshmallow. And it comes to us, us again from it's, Top Ends. It's Goliath. also a spy plane that um, that uh, Sylvester Stallone flew at one point. In and time. it's also a, a band that a buddy of mine plays was in it, that had like a number one alternative song in was the uh, in, in the nineties. Yeah, uh, I think so. <laughs> it, probably, it probably was. If not, it might as well have been. Um, at uh, number 12, from Maine Beer Company in Maine, is a beer that's simply called Dinner. It's a dry, fresh... <laughs> I love that. It's a dry, fresh, clean, double IPA, fruity and spicy with a resiny flavor and uh, a lightly bitter finish, 4.66 out of 5 on Beer Advocate. So at number the number 11, this beer has topped... Many best of the year lists before comes in on this list at 11 from Russian River Brewing Company in California. Uh, it's Pliny the Elder with a 4.69 out of five. It is an Imperial Double IPA, uh, 
grassy hop character in the nose and plenty of malt and citrus on the palate. And the only one I've had of these is one you were able to get your hands on that was just probably a little too a little old. But we liked it anyway, if, yeah. if you remember. Uh, I'm still still anxious to get uh, my hands on one of those. So uh, we'll do it when we can. Uh, Toppling Goliath comes back at number 10 with Morning Delight. Guess what? It, it's an imperial stout. It's uh, <laughs> rich and well-balanced, brewed with coffee and maple syrup, medium rich and sweet, 12% ABV, 4.75 out of 5 wow. on Beer Advocate. So we're starting to get some some big ones here. That beat out Pliny the Elder. Yeah. Uh, have you tasted the uh, the IPA yet? I have. Broke my own. I'm going to uh, take in the nose on it while you tell me what you thought. Uh, I actually I think it smells good. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, whole beginning of the palate. It's a little bit resinous and dry on the on, end for on me. the finish. Now, see the front of it, and you're right. It's a very late finish where you get yeah. that uh, that more resiny hop vibe. The front of it is very citrusy, and and really delicious. Now, I like there's this a multi a lot. roundness to the front that mm-hmm. uh, is underlying that citrus too. I like I like most of that. The, I guess the diabolic. Mm-hmm. Um, part of this beer is if you don't keep drinking it, then you get stuck with that <laughs> resinous aftertaste that I don't particularly care for. Now, tell, I know it says what hops they use on this on the can. Can you... Uh... Mosaic, <clears throat> Comet, Chinook, Idaho 7, Cashmere, El Dorado. I don't think I've had, or, or at least identified, a beer that I've had with Idaho 7 hops Coming in, in before. at 6.5%. I think it's delicious, but you know, again, this is a little more to my palate than yours. But I like the fact that they get the very hazy, citrusy thing and the very hoppy thing in the same beer, and they're so far separated from each other. The citrus notes and the haze and the malt being kind of in the front, and then the um, the hoppiness being more on the finish and the retrohale. Yeah, um, it's good. Yeah, my my only gripe about it is the the after the linger aftertaste, and, and it's just not a me thing. Uh, so. A lot of people enjoy that, or it doesn't bother them at all. Now, at number nine on our list, uh, Ian, from USA Today, of the 40 most delicious We're getting to the top beer. ten. Yes, we are. Halfway to number one. Um, at, uh, at number nine on the list is a beer that I know you like, and I'm actually a little surprised you do, because it is a very hoppy IPA. It's Too Hearted Ale from Bell's. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and it it always surprised me. Now I know I know you have a soft spot for Bell's Brewery, but it always surprises me a little bit how much you like that's that beer because one of, of the, the reasons that I have that soft spot for Bell's Brewing is because I found that beer and because that's of one of the hearted. best IPAs I think I've it, ever had. Well, it's it's so far it's the highest They're, one on the so on I the don't list. you know don't don't misunderstand me. I don't hate IPAs. I just hate ones that are unnecessarily resinous, and I dislike ones that leave a too much of a bitterness in the. Uh, palate you know what's good about that <laughs> that you can have a lot more it leaves of this more of the uh, broke my own for uh so, for me so yes. uh but but there are certain ipas that are so well crafted well balanced and, and and to my palate they just are the top of the rock and mm-hmm. that two-hearted mm-hmm. ipa uh and and i can name a few others that are amazing you know the the dogfish head 90 yeah. minute oh man what a beer I love Dogfish Head 120 Minute, but mm-hmm. that might be a different thing, too. It is, like that's, yeah, it's almost a, a category unto itself, <laughs> like, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, uh, But you like a, a number of Stones beers, for example, I do, that are, I do, that are but, extremely hoppy. Uh, yes, and, and because, though, the way the, the hops the way the way hops finish in those, they don't leave that yeah that, that, that green resiny kind of feel in my mouth. I just don't mm. there's something about that I just don't dig being stuck with, and it darn sure doesn't go with a cigar. Mm. No, I, and I will admit that as a 
fan of IPAs and a fan of cigars, they're two things that I kind of have yeah. to keep separate in my, in my life, for most of them anyway. Uh, at number eight, uh, Treehouse Brewing out of Massachusetts. We've had a number of their beers, but I don't think we've had King Julius. It's a double New England IPA, a beefier sibling to the Julius IPA uh, with plenty of hops and a perfusion of tropical fruit flavors. From perennial artist, perennial, I can say that word. Perennial. Perennial artisan ales in Missouri comes number seven with a 4.79 out of five rating. That's We're big. really getting up there. It's- I, I just want to point out, I'm a little surprised that we've gotten this far up, and especially how stout heavy this is, mm-hmm. that Founders hasn't been on there. Well, no, we had the Founders. We had their uh, the KBC. Oh, that's right. That's right. So I'm that sorry. was on the list. Yes, so, yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but at number seven from Perennial Artisan Ales with a 4.79 out of five is the Barrel Aged Abraxas. And I don't, the only thing I know about Abraxas is that's the name of a Santana album. Abraxas is a uh, like a religious tome. Or... Oh, so, so you are like you're really laying down the knowledge today. <laughs> I appreciate that about about you. Also, it's an amazing album, and it was also yeah. the debut of the uh, Mesa Boogie amplifier with mm. cascading tubes to create the overall saturation that allowed him to get the kind of sustain that he got, especially on Europa. Carlos Santana. In my Amazing. personal top five favorite guitar By the players way, of all time. It was called Mesa Engineering. The amp mm-hmm. company was called yeah. Mesa Engineering. And they called it the amp, the boogie, because when Carlos Santana came over and tried it out, he goes, man, these amps are really boogie. And that's how it got and its name. And it became the Mesa awesome. slash boogie. The uh, perennial artisan ales barrel-aged Abraxas, they s- describe as very dark and viscous, a spicy seasonal imperial stout brewed with cinnamon sticks. Ancho chilies, cacao nibs, and vanilla beans, and aged for a year in Rittenhouse rye barrels. Wow! So that does sound like that's either going to be amazing or not. Like right. you know, with that, with that combination, I have a feeling coming in at number seven here, it's amazing. We'll have to be on the lookout. I'm for trying some. to imagine how dry the finish on that would be. I. I can't even really imagine what what it would taste like with all those different right. things in. But it's something I definitely want to try. Barrel-aged Abraxas at number seven. Uh, you mentioned that you thought founders should be more represented, so you should be happy with entry number six. It's the CBS, the Canadian Breakfast Out ah, yeah. uh, from Founders. Dark, smooth, sweet, and oaky, brewed with what its makers call a blend of coffees and imported chocolates and aged in bourbon barrels that had previously held Michigan maple syrup. Nice. So that's that's yes. how they get this, and that's how they got a four point seven out of five. Yeah. Uh, from beer. Have you, we've had that, right? Yes. Yes. I, we mean, have. I know I've had that. I couldn't remember. Yes, if we, we have. It on we've here. had it on the show, Delicious. as I recall. And, and and you know, well, what? No, I don't think we have. Let's do it next week. <laughs> I'm I'm just making. I might that have up. one of my. I might have. One. I, I, we may have. To I know I got KBS. A couple years of KBS in my fridge. Cigar City Brewing in Florida makes an appearance Yum. on the uh, list at number five. We're into the top five now. Uh, it's Hana- Hanapu's Imperial Stout. It's double barrel aged. It ranks a 4.79 wow. out of five on Beer Advocate. Rich, thick, black stout aged in rum and apple brandy barrels with cacao nibs, ancho, and pasilla chiles, uh, cinnamon, and Madagascar vanilla beans, adding up to a... An ABV of 11%. Uh, so we'll have to try some of this. this that's like is, a half percent per syllable yeah, there that's, for the yeah. name of it. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, that's at number five. At four is Pliny the Younger from uh, oh, Russian yeah. River. So it kind of leapfrogs Pliny the Elder. Um, Pliny the Elder is a double IPA. This one is a triple 
a touch of smoothing sweetness uh, made with three times the usual ration of hops. 4.75 out of 5 coming in on the list at number 4 from Russian River. At number 3. From Three Floyds Brewing in Indiana. And I'm so glad we've had a chance to try some of their beers, although I don't think we've had this one. It's the BBADL, Bourbon Barrel Aged Dark Lord Imperial Stout. Mm. That just sounds delicious. I feel like we've done the Dark Lord Imperial Stout. Did we do the Dark Lord? 15% IPA, uh, or ABV rather, so thick that it's almost chewy. An aroma that's part vintage port, part molasses. Uh, there, okay, so it says here there's a number of Dark Lord variations. So I think I, we've probably I'm had sure one of them. I'm pretty sure we've had a yeah. variation of that. Uh, they are generally sold at the brewery only on one day each year. Uh, bad news this year, it was June 30th, so you missed uh, it. Maybe uh, we didn't yeah. have one. I don't uh, know. But you know what? I think, I think we may have still gotten our hands on one at some point. Uh, you can check, by the way, darklordday.com. For next year's Dark Lord, Dark Lord date uh, release from Three Floyds Brewing, and it comes in at number three. At number two, from The Alchemist in Vermont, it's Hetty Topper. We've heard a lot about this beer. It's a yes. double IPA, uh, sold in cans, but uh, they say it's bitter and well-balanced and full of floral, citrusy, and piney flavors. Uh, it's considered, as one beer advocate reviewer put it, the granddaddy that today's IPAs were born from. The beer advocate rating on it at number two on the list is 4.79 out of 5. So, yeah, that's one to look forward to. A stout from Toppling Goliath tops the list, Ian. It's the Kentucky Brunch Stout, ranked number one on the most recent beer advocate listing of America's top 250 beers with an almost perfect score. It's a 4.9 out of 5. Wow. Can you imagine how good a beer has to be to be rated by all the people that are going to go on Beer Advocate and rate it. And nobody rates it low enough to pull the number down any lower than 4.9 wow. out of 5. That's huge. Yeah, that's big. That really is. Uh, they describe it as thick, dark, sweet, complex, smooth, and memorable, containing flavors of chocolate, coffee, maple syrup, bourbon, figs, toffee, and vanilla to what its many fans consider a transcendent effect. A transcendent effect. Put this effect. on the list. we got to get some Kentucky brunch stuff. Like, you drink that, you will actually start yeah. to understand, yeah. like, Dio lyrics. That's yeah. <laughs> Ronnie right, James nobody Dio really lyrics. understands Dio <laughs> lyrics, uh, except maybe if you've had yourself some Kentucky brunch stout from Toppling Goliath. So a very interesting list, and, and there were a lot of IPAs on it, but wow, the stouts. Yeah, heavily like represented that was a here. very stout-heavy yeah. list. I'm, I'm super very surprised. Very heavily represented. So we'll be getting to a stout in our final segment, but when we come back next, we're going to talk about uh, bottom-shelf bourbons, and we have I have a list of, uh, of ones that they tried in a blind taste test, and this one was one of the ones that they seemed to like, and we'll be having it in our next segment. It is Ancient Age. I'll just say it again. That's not going to get old for me uh, uh, throughout the entire show. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why that tickles me like that. <laughs> but clearly I'm not the only one. Uh, so we'll be back to try that and tell you what we think. It is a $12 bottle of whiskey. I don't think we've ever done anything quite that cheap on the show before. True. So we'll be looking forward to it. It's coming up next on Smoking and Toasting.
Welcome back. It is uh, Smoking and Toastin', the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. And I just want to mention that these guys are, are stepping up to be a sponsor of the show, so we would ask that you go check out their shirts, and if you see something you like, um, buy it. They're reasonably priced, and they're great shirts for cigar lovers. And some helping. of them even have things on them that you've heard on the show before. <laughs> helping so. them out actually helps us out. That's too. what we're talking about. Helps us bring um, this amazing content to you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, it, we even have special effects on the show now because here in a moment, Ian will be opening up this bottle of Ancient Age. Yep, a $12 bottle of whiskey, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll be uh, we'll be trying it. It's made by the folks who make Buffalo Trace, so they got to have something going on, Why is right? That's so funny. I don't know. I wish I, can't I wish I could I wish I could tell you, but it is. I can't um, stop giggling. So one of the reasons I brought in the Ancient Age today uh, as one of our things to taste is because I found a very interesting article on Paste.com, which is a cool site to go to for music and, and TV reviews and, and different things. And they occasionally have something talking about beers or liquors, and they recently released an article by Jim Varell about 13 of the best bottom-shelf cheap bourbons blind-tasted and ranked. So I thought we'd go through these real quick uh, because Ancient Age was one of them. And uh, so that's the reason uh, I thought we would we would sample it today. Um, so here's the rules of their blind tasting: um, a strict price limit. I need a sound effect moment. Okay. Well, I will say that that the reverb definitely helped that because we don't have many drinks here on the show that get opened with a plastic. Hey, I, you know, away bottle congratulations top. to them for keeping up with the times. Like, who uses a cork anymore? Right. A nice screw-top bottle is right. very modern. <laughs> exactly. And that tells me that this is a modern, forward-thinking company. It also tells me that it costs $12. <laughs> <laughs> but there's that. Uh, I, was the, try, I was trying to put a good spin on I it. I know, and I appreciate it. The rules and procedure for this uh, blind taste test, uh, a strict price limit of $15 or less for a 750-milliliter bottle of whiskey. Some of the bottles they used were merely pints, but every brand on the list was available for $15 or less uh, on Total Wine at the time of the purchase for the um, uh, for the 750 milliliter bottle. It doesn't smell bad. They say that the hard $15 cutoff did mean that certain mid-shelf brands like Old Forester, which you mentioned, or the or Four Roses yellow, yellow Label missed the tasting uh, as they can no longer be reliably had for under $15. Likewise, former bottom shelf continue, contenders like Old Fitzgerald or Heaven Hill White Label are no longer being manufactured, so they weren't considered. All in all, uh, all the members of the fields are, they say, firmly in what they call the Plastic Cap Club. So <laughs> so that, uh, that totally works. At 13, Kentucky Gentlemen... From uh, Barton 1792 Distillery, uh, it's priced at $8.49. That came in at number 13. At number 12, uh, distilled by Heaven Hill for uh, Luxco, is Rebel Yell. Have you ever had any Rebel Yell? Yes. Yeah? What, what's, your, what's your... I'm not a fan. Not a fan. It. Okay. As That's a matter of right. fact, Rebel Yell has a funny story. A buddy of mine bought a mm-hmm. bottle of it at one point in time, and we sat around and drank it, and then... While we were drinking it, I had to explain to him, while he explained to me it wasn't that bad, I said, not bad is also a way of saying not good, because you're not saying it's good. That's right. Not bad is- And I said, they don't call this yummy tummy. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. That It's called rock gut, not yummy tummy. That that might be good with with a little reverb on it. 
They don't call this yummy tummy. Yeah, see that? This can work for in a variety of ways. I know right now there's people listening to the show going, please do not make this a trend. <laughs> um, at number 11, 10 High from the Barton uh, 1792 Distillery. I have had that. 10 High is six ninety nine a bottle. Yes, and that also is not good. Okay. Uh, uh, like, at least from the many years ago when I tried it. We're climbing the list here. We're at a number 10 from Brown Foreman. It's Early Times, $8.49 a bottle. Have you had Early Times? Early Times is tolerable. All right. How about Old Crow from Jim Beam in the Beam Suntory Distillery uh, at eight ninety nine a bottle? I think I feel like I've had Old Crow, but I don't remember one way or the other about that. Okay. Ancient Age comes in at number eight. Or, as we like to say here on the show, a number eight would be... Ancient age. Yeah, it's from it's, Buffalo Trace. Have you tried it yet? It's eleven ninety nine. No, I haven't. I have uh, taken in a little of the nose, so maybe this would be a good point to uh, tell me what you're getting. Um, so on the nose, it's got a sweetness to it and yeah. a little kind of young green kind of underripe kind of smell mm-hmm. to it. Uh, it's not bad. It's drinkable. The uh, the article makes an interesting note about ancient age, which again comes in at number eight. It says, this is about the point in the blind tasting where we ascend from okay in a pinch to decent bourbon for the price. And I would kind of agree with that. Like, this this is really not bad. A little sweet, a little green, as you say. Yeah. But not unpleasant at all, yeah. actually. Yeah, no, it's, it's drinkable. Yeah. I, I wonder what this would be like in, you know, uh, in a Manhattan or it as a It has a mixture. very unsophisticated heat that comes back. <laughs> That's an interesting way for you to say that. <laughs> so describe what you mean by that. It's just a little harsh. Is that what you're getting at? It's got a, a whiskey hug that is is vibrant to say the least. It's enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. The the whiskey hug is is uh, is is. It's even more awkward than usual. Yes, that's, more <laughs> that's a good way to put it. It's one of those hugs that should have ended, but. But they keep it hugging. Went, it yeah, went a little yeah. bit too long. I know what you're talking you know, about. Like, and now you're like, are we friends? Or are we, what's and happening And you're right, because that's you know? exactly what I'm getting right now <laughs> after a sip of this. But I will say it, it, it probably is better than I was expecting it to be. And so, so now for $12.99 a bottle, if you double that price, you can have a bottle of Buffalo Trace. Yeah. What are you getting for twice the money, in your opinion? Totally worth it. Totally worth taking all the of leap. those things that we just said. Yeah, are not there in the Buffalo Trace. In the Buffalo Trace, the Buffalo Trace is, especially in its price point, one of the more outstanding whiskeys I even know of. Mm-hmm. Um, it is that good. It it has that reputation because it actually is that good. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Do I think it's the best whiskey in the world? Well, it's pretty close for that for price, the price point. Yeah. For the price, but uh, but but understand too. Like I've had whiskeys that cost almost double what Buffalo Trace costs. I don't like as much, mm-hmm. um, and I've had some that cost double that I think are worth double it. Right, you know exactly. Um, but double this um, between Ancient Age and Buffalo Trace. Oh, Buffalo. I'd, I'd go Weller even. Yeah, uh, but that's eighteen dollars. So that's outside of the bottom shelf price point you're talking about here. Either one of those, I think, is a is a more pleasant aftertaste, a little better 
a less blunt sweetness mm-hmm. um, and a less enthusiastic whiskey hug. But again, this is drinkable. I like, like, I like your description of enthusiastic. That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> right for the whiskey. Hug. Uh, this stuff is made from the Buffalo Trace Mash Bill Number no. Two, uh, which has a bit more rye in the grist compared with Mash Bill Number no. One. This is the same Mash Bill that they use for Blanton's and Elmer T. Lee. Uh, but this stuff isn't that. It's uh, uh, the, at least they say in the article a legitimate straight bourbon, though, which means it can claim two years of age. They describe the uh, palate uh, uh, effects of this as being on the lighter side: some minty herbality, rye bread, pepper, light cinnamon, and honeyed sweetness. It's milder than some of the others, and a tad on the watery side. They say here on paste. But other than a slightly sour twang of green oak, which both of us noticed, okay, so that's yeah, both of us. Uh, there's no that. big detractions. If you handed this to a friend, they'd say something like, "Yep, that's a young cheap bourbon," but they wouldn't have any other reason to complain. Yeah. And the bottle itself says the Ancient Age Distilling Company has a rich history, first established at the Old Lees Town Settlement, an early transportation settle, settlement uh, center in uh, Frontier, Kentucky. Clear limestone water and accessible trade routes made for the area perfect for making whiskey. From the very first barrel, Ancient Age was known for its fine, smooth, mellow whiskey. I do find it uh, interesting um, that they take a a whiskey that is a little young tasting, has that sour, you know, tang, as they describe here, of green oak, and they describe it as ancient age so <laughs> you know it just seems like a funny juxtaposition there but uh but hey it's not bad in a pinch if i was someplace where they had nothing interesting oh i've been i would pull this off the i've bar been for camping sure. where the closest liquor store this is about the best stuff that they'll have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's okay now i know like I, I don't i've never reached for this before but at least now i know that you know what's interesting though sometimes about those little offbeat middle of nowhere liquor stores is sometimes that's about the best they have, and sometimes you walk in and they got a bottle of Plantains on the shelf, which you yeah. like haven't seen anybody have in stock in you know several years. Or yeah, the other thing you'll see though sometimes in those shops is they'll think they have something, so they'll have like a bottle of Basil Hayden's, but they'll have it marked to like sixty five bucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> like uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I like Basil Hayden; it's fine. But for thirteen ninety nine, you can get uh, the Jim Beam White Label. Which comes in at number seven on our list of cheap bourbons. Have Meh. you had that? Meh. 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 Henry McKenna Straight Bourbon is number six. It's made by Heaven Hill. It's fourteen twenty nine, just squeaking in under the fifteen dollar uh, price it's, limit. It's, yeah. It's, limit. I think I think I probably like this better than the Henry McKenna. Old Granddad, eighty proof at number five. Ain't nothing wrong with old granddad. Made by Jim Beam. It's fourteen ninety nine, so it barely makes the cut. It has it has the same detractors that this has. It has that green young mm-hmm. astringency to it and then uh and then the whiskey hug is again enthusiastic very enthusiastic at number four zachariah harris kentucky straight bourbon made by barton 1792 uh it's 899 so i'd say go check some out but maybe not um evan williams bottled in bond from heaven hill is 1399 it's 100 proof and it's number three on the list have you I don't had? I think I've had that. Yeah, um, it was. It's functioned. They say in the recent years, like the opposite of old granddad, in the sense that you can scarcely believe you can still regularly find not only the flagship Evan Williams Black Label, but the hundred proof White Label for less than fifteen dollars. So it's uh, it's one you might be able to find. At number two, 
Benchmark Old Number Eight, also distilled by Buffalo I've Trace. I've seen it. I don't think I've ever had it's that one. It's eight forty nine, and here's how they compare this one to Ancient Age. They say, uh, whereas the earlier uh, likes of Ancient Age were made were made from the higher rye Buffalo Trace Number Two mash bill. Old Number Eight, Benchmark Old Number Eight, is made from the unusually low rye Buffalo Trace Number One mash bill, which is purported to be less than 10% rye, but no one really knows for sure. Regardless, it's the same mash trace as regular Buffalo Trace, um, as well as Stag and E.H. Taylor. And you can expect, they say, a sweeter and richer distillate as a result of having more corn and barley uh, in the mash. And indeed, they say that's exactly what Benchmark delivers and at a pretty serious value. So that's number two at $8.49, suggested retail price. For number one, from Barton 1792 Distillery, it's the very old Barton, coming in at number at twelve dollars and ninety nine cents. It's ninety proof, uh, and I'm taking from your uh, look on your face. You have not tried I've the never very tried old, that, no. old Barton. They say the oddest thing about the very old Barton line doesn't have anything to do with age, although the whiskey purists are still displeased. They say that the brand was stripped of its six year age statement a couple of months ago. But the fact that it's offered in so many different proofs, it comes in 80, 86, 90, and 100. They say, really? An 86 and a 90? Uh, (laughs) But regardless of the reason, all of them can be found for less than $15. And as they quickly found out, they say, this is the real deal. It's made from a classic bourbon mash bill that includes about 15% rye, aged for four to six years. And make no mistake, they say, in a field full of two-year whiskeys on the bottom shelf, you can definitely feel the extra age that comes uh, with this one. So there's your bourbons on the list. Are you enjoying the ancient age at all, Ian? Or is it it starting to get on your nerves? No, no, it's drinkable. Like I said, that that, that green note, it's there, you know, but I don't, it's not putting me off too much. Like I'm kind of enjoying it. You know, what's kind of interesting about this to me is it makes me, I'm enjoying it too, but it makes me crave a better one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I, I like this taste, but I'd really like to get some of that refinement that you can get from a you know, an Angel's Envy or, or No, but I think I think honestly like a bottle like this is fine for like a campfire. Right. Or, right. When or, you're in that you know you know. Yeah, you're just like hanging out, smoking a cigar, uh you know, in a in a less than refined environment, maybe. Yeah, yeah. the only thing that really scares me about a whiskey like this and, and I've had some cheap whiskeys before, but that young, that green—they called mm-hmm. it the the green oak kind of flavor. That makes for a very bad hangover. I was just about to ask: Is it more hangover inducing? You think? Yeah, yeah. that makes for like a hurdy hangover. I will remember that and not consume too much of the ancient age but this I, afternoon. But I gotta yeah. say, for you paid twelve bucks for this. Twelve bottle? bucks, yeah. I'm, shoot, you know, it's drinkable. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to up the ante a little bit because we're going to be headed uh, back to beer. And I'm very excited to present to you, Ian, uh, from Abnormal Beer Company, their Unification Imperial Stout. I'm totally in the mood for some stout after reading about all those stouts on the list. Uh, so uh, did you want to Did you want to say something? Unification Imperial Stout. That kind of works for that, too, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. All right, we'll be back with that. Plus, drinking news is on the way as we round out episode number 202 of Smokin' and Toastin', Craft Beer, Fine Spirits, and Hand Roll Cigars.
Welcome back. It is Smokin' and Toastin'. This is the uh, little program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Because? Perfect place to go. Because cigars. cigars. Yeah. A perfect place to go to get uh, gifts, uh, holiday seasons, not that far away. It's a great place to get gifts for the cigar lovers you know, or to suggest to people to get gifts for you, Ian. If I, if I only knew somebody that had a birthday coming up. Yeah, see? See? There you go. That's all I'm talking about. Little double XL. Worked great for me. Noted. Okay. Um, so, anyway, we uh, want to thank them for being a sponsor of the show and want to encourage you to uh, to go and check them out and order a shirt or two. Um, a lot going on on uh, the show this week, but it's it's it was kind of nice to get back to, um, as much as I love having our guests on the show, it was kind of nice to get back to the show where we could just do a lot of tasting and taste some cheap whiskey. And and, uh, and then for the last segment here, I'm very excited about this Imperial Stout because I got, I got in a huge Imperial Stout uh, mood after uh, after describing all those Imperial Stouts from that beer list. So you opening that bad boy up? Ooh. Ooh, that really works for the, uh, uh, for the cap thing. So this one comes in a bomber. And while Ian pours it, let me just uh, bring you one of our favorite segments on the program. We call it... Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. And I know you, I know you're working on the theme song, so I'm not even going to bug you about it. Yeah, it's, I'm getting there. Coming, I was right? supposed to have it ready this week, and I did not. But uh, let's talk about it for All next right. week. Well, drinking news is a segment on the program that we started a while back. That is always a, a story that it, sometimes it's about drinking, sometimes it's not. But it's always a story that might be more interesting or fun to hear while you are drinking. And today's is not about drinking, but Hopefully, it falls for you into that second um, second category. Sirahap Muscarat was rushed to the hospital last week after a snake bit his penis while he was sitting on the toilet. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, there Syrup, has to be a Syrupop, circumstance here. Syrupop was a university student. Uh, he was he went to the loo, as they say in in uh, Britain, on uh, Tuesday evening last week when he felt a sudden searing pain in his privates. He looked down and saw a python with its jaws clamped around the tip of his member. That is a hell of a male enhancement right yeah. there. <laughs> it quickly let go. There was blood everywhere. It, the poor guy is 18 years old. He yelled in terror, ran out of the bathroom with his pants around his ankles. He uh, lives in central Thailand, about 20 kilometers north of Bangkok. <laughs> uh, his panic-stricken mother calmed him down, and then paramedics came and rushed him to nearby Bang Yai Hospital uh, for treatment. Doctors gave him three stitches. Oh, ouch. I mean, uh, the snake bite's bad enough, but now three stitches. Uh, uh, and they treated the wound with antibiotic wash to kill any bacteria from the... Okay, there's the picture, Ian, if you want to see. That's the, it's not a picture of the penis. It's a picture of the python uh, that uh, that apparently bit uh, poor Searpop. Um, it was only a small oh, stake, he said, but the uh, snake, but the bite was so strong. Uh, I hope... This is, this is a, a, a sentence that you hope you never have to utter in your life. I hope that my penis can recover. 
<laughs> uh, animal handlers arrived at the home and began searching for the snake, which was still uh, coiled up in the, uh, the toilet bowl. They used snake catching equipment to snare so the python. It just randomly it was about, crawled it was about four into feet the long. toilet bowl, or, or came up through the plumbing. Perhaps that that has been known to happen. Uh, anyway, uh, I guess the the you know moral of today's story is. Always look down before you go. Look before you leap. Yes, yes look yes. before you leap. So that's uh, uh, that's that's terrifying. It is terrifying, and uh, and I almost didn't share that, but you know, the, I didn't. I wasn't finding a lot of more lighthearted drinking news today, so I thought, okay, penis stitches. Penis uh, stitches. We'll go for it. Uh, if he that, gets excited, do those three stitches become six? Oh, I don't even want to know about <laughs> that. I don't even want to know. Uh, so so after that little uh, bite of reality. Let's uh, let's go to something more pleasant and see if we can't try out some uh, uh, try out some imperial stout. Did you get? Did we get some interesting comments? Oh, uh, Blake just put they bite off your Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, imperial stout from Abnormal Brewing smells amazing. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. I think because uh, this beer has uh, this uh, brewery rather has has quite a reputation for being. People who, uh, you know, are a little left of center. That's why they call it abnormal. Uh, a little left of center when it comes to the things that they choose uh, to brew. So unification, imperial stout. We what love our us? abnormal ambassadors like family and the rest of you too. But for this particular masterpiece, we let our extended ambassador family call the shots for everyone to enjoy. Through a suggestion pool narrowed down to a list uh, to vote on, we finally had a winner. Imperial stout with cocoa nibs, coconut and hazelnuts. Mm. We use the base uh, to our barrel-aged stouts for the canvas and then utilize our kitchen to prep the rest, cacao nibs, and half the coconut got toasted while we roasted some <clears throat> chopped hazelnuts, and then uh, the remainder of the coconuts go in fresh. The result is a sweet, nutty chocolate candy bar in liquid form. Enjoy fresh. I have to agree with that. Yeah. There's a drip that uh, is going down the side of this bottle, and it's it's very difficult for me not to just lick <laughs> that off the bottle. I understand. Well, you know, I, I'm glad that you read that because I could taste the coconut, kind of the yeah. toasty coconut flavor, but I was trying to, I was trying to like identify this one flavor, and it's most definitely the, the, the toasted fresh. hazelnuts. Oh, the hazelnut. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, the, but the fresh coconut's coming through as well. Like, mm -hmm. You can taste the toasted, but the fresh coconut hits more towards the front of the tongue. Mm -hmm. It's a little more mm -hmm. bitter, a little more astringent, and it's it's right there. So it's really interesting. This is quite delicious. I mean, I could I could have seen this making the list of um, of the thirty delicious beers. Has a quote on here attributed to Michael J. Fox: "Family is not an important thing; it is everything." Hmm. And this is 10.7% by volume. So. They were talking uh, in the label stuff that you read there, they were talking about their abnormal tasting family, I guess. Uh, so maybe yeah, that's where yeah. the uh, Michael J. Fox quote comes into play. Or abnormal ambassadors. Abnormal like ambassadors family. like family. Yeah. Okay. That's what I remembered. Well, this so, is absolutely well, delightful. So, on the, you know, we've talked about a lot of really. You know, big time imperial stouts that were on that list, or, or stouts in, in general. Um, where, where would you put this among the stouts that you've tasted? This one of the better ones. This is definitely outstanding. This is four point five or up, I'd say, on a beer advocate. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I like would agree. if it was my choice, you know. Right. Right. I would. I would rate this very high. The thing I like about it is it. It's got all these different flavors working on you, but it doesn't give in to any one of them to. 
wholeheartedly. You know, it, none of the flavors that you talked about here really dominate. They all just kind of dance on your tongue. No, but they're all uh, able to be kind of picked out in mm-hmm. there as well. The uh, One of the nice things about it is there's a... That oak astringency on the end finishes everything off and really uh, doesn't leave it sickly sweet in your mouth at all. It leaves it with a little snap of uh, bitter astringency that just makes you want to grab that next sip. One of the things about um, about the stout that we've had on the show... We've had some that are really coffee, like the coffee yeah. just dominates. We've had some of those recently, and they've been very good. The Black Lives, uh, the Black is Beautiful yeah, yeah. stout that we had a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it it was just really a coffee yeah. stout. Then we've had those that are more boozy, that have more of that, you know, that barrel aged vibe, and the that seems to kind of dominate. To it, yeah. This has both of those flavors, but it, it seems so well balanced with all the other things. That have are you ever going had on. a? Um, uh, you know how some some of the candy bar companies uh, will make the same candy that you've had for years, but they'll do it with dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. This is a mounds with dark chocolate. All right, so here's what I'm going to tell you about dark chocolate. There's a little Hershey's. It's not a a, a, a Hershey's Kiss. It's a little kind of uh, a rectangular shaped Hershey's dark chocolate with almonds. Oh yeah. And what it is is it's super awesome dark chocolate. But it's got two little almonds in it. It's a small piece of candy, um, maybe a little bigger than a quarter, but it's rectangular. What's so great about it is, first of all, the dark chocolate, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But secondly, because you can take one bite of it, and it'll have an almond in it, but there'll still be an almond in your second bite. <laughs> you know, with so many of those things, if you take right, one right. bite, if you get the almond, that's it. then your second bite's all chocolate. Or you get a bite that's all chocolate, and then... Uh, there'll be almond in the same. This one allows you to have two bites, all almond. Uh, yeah. It's wonderful. I don't and know why. So if I just you're like me, that, but it's like great. sometimes you have to play with candy, so you leave it in your mouth and you let it like mm-hmm. melt away until all you mm-hmm. have is the mm-hmm. almond. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am digging it. Well, I thought I thought that this uh, was interesting. The whole article about the bottom shelf bourbon, you know, often we'll, you know, come in here and we'll be trying some some whiskeys that are like. In the you know much more expensive range, and I remember we had one on not too long ago. It was about a hundred dollar bottle. And yeah. I'm thinking, I wonder how many people, no matter how great we may tell them it is, would actually go out and you know drop a hundred bucks on a bottle of uh, bourbon. Yeah, a hundred you know? bucks is a little hard to justify. It really if, is. If you're not a big fan of bourbon in the first place, if you're not predisposed to spend a hundred dollars on bourbon. It's real hard to do that. Right. The nice thing about bourbon, though, is you get great bourbon across every price range. That really is true. And yeah. and quite frankly, this was the the ancient age even was not bad when you consider that it's twelve dollars. I mean, and I don't say not bad as in not good. It was pretty good, considering that it was only twelve twelve thirteen bucks. Yeah, I would I would tell you if this cost twice as much. Yep. I'd raise an eyebrow. Yes, I agree totally. If it costs twice as much, um, it'd be competing with but Buffalo Trace. But I've had Trace. stuff that costs twice as much that has that green in it and everything mm-hmm. else, and it's a, um, and even more, as a matter of fact. Now I'm, I, I've got one stuck in my head. I'm not going to call anybody out on it, but, um, but uh, this, you know, for what it is, not bad. As we close out the show, then let me give you in the slightly higher um, price range area. Let me give you some of the uh, bourbons that came in. If I can get the ad to go away there. Thank you. 
Uh, let me give you some of the bourbons that came in on this list of uh, from Forbes, the best bargains in bourbon whiskey. And here they um, they talk about things that are still relatively inexpensive, but probably a little more expensive than the ones that we mentioned in the bottom shelf uh, list uh, earlier. Uh, they talk about Old Tub, bottled in bond at $21. Uh, it's an unfiltered, 100-proof throwback to Jim Beam's historical precursor. Uh, they talk about the standard bottle of Maker's Mark. Yep. It comes in at $22. It's $22 pretty well spent, quite frankly. Uh, those that enjoy the characteristics of Pappy Van Winkle and uh, aren't you know uh, just falling prey to the hype, they say we'll find a lot to appreciate in a bottle of just regular old $22 Maker's Mark. Uh, Larceny, Wheated Bourbon Whiskey, at $20. Mm -hmm. uh, it's 92 proof. They say it's quite good. Uh, they mentioned the Rebel Yell 100 proof. Uh, you, we talked about the lower proof Rebel Yell before. The 100 proof uh, is a $20 uh, bottle, and they list it on here. I don't know if that's... You're still giving me that look like not Rebel Yell. Rebel Yell has scarred me slightly. Okay, I understand. I have I have some similar experiences in other other areas. A uh, Jim Beam Black Extra Aged at twenty two dollars makes their list, uh, and unless I missed part of the list, that may uh, that may be it. So, uh, so these are these are ones that are really I think all in the kind of twenty dollar price range that they. Uh, well, what stay would are you the say if you were going to pick? Five whiskeys between twenty and thirty dollars. What would they be? Buffalo Trace for sure. One hundred percent. Isn't there a, a a Heaven Heaven Hill that's that's in that price range? Or am Not I thinking sure. wrong? Not sure. Uh, am I thinking wrong? Um, wow. Um, you know, um, a bottle of that um, fistful of bourbon. Yeah, we've had that on the show before. That I thought. You know, it wasn't my favorite bourbon ever, but wow, for the price, it was it was really really tough yeah. to beat, really tough to beat. Um, probably Maker's Mark, yeah, the regular one. Um, beyond that, I have to start really almost looking at a show. How much is a standard knob Knob Creek? That's in the thirties, isn't I it? I think it's in the thirties. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I like the Knob Creek too. Yeah. What about what about you? Uh, Old, Forester. Old Forester. Old yep. Forester. Yep. Forester, definitely for sure, for sure. I can answer this question easier. If we're talking tequila or rum, right, uh, because right. I just know more about the brands and stuff there. With uh, with bourbon and with whiskey, I really just know. It's also what I've tried. easier to answer if I said twenty five to thirty five. Oh, yeah, all of a sudden you open up a whole because other door. Because what's funny is there's a sweet spot in whiskey um, between say twenty five and forty dollars. Absolutely. If, you're, if, you're, if I can buy a thirty eight dollar bottle, we're talking about a completely different yeah, uh, yeah. list of things here. Although I think Buffalo Trace would still make that list. That's just a very oh, very Buffalo Trace, good definitely. whiskey. You know, Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare. Thank you. That's the one I was Eagle trying Rare to think of. Eagle Rare would make that list. Yeah. Um, uh, Monkey Shoulder. Oh yeah. The the very first bottle of spirits that we had on this show, episode number one. You brought in a bottle of Monkey Shoulder. I remember. Yeah, that, that. was a gift from a friend of mine named Chappie. That was very yeah. good. That was very good. And what a trip it's been. 202 episodes, Ian. Can you believe it? Halfway to 300. Nobody has stepped in to try to stop us. <laughs> I'm just, I just say it now because I know it pisses that guy off. Yeah. Like he makes it to the end that of our show. That guy has totally anyway. given up on yeah, us. Yeah. Like he would still be here at the end of show number 202. Well, uh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but we do uh, want to very much thank our uh, special guest uh, from last week's show. It was a, uh, 
It was a very fun show to do. Chris Morris and Chris so Morris, so fun. Yeah, he was he was so fun. I uh, where did I, he say he was working again? Uh, he's working at uh, the the place in in Montrose. The, the name is is I'm blanking on it. Last I, minute. I know it. I, gonna, I just for I some reason I can't. For him, but. I can't. I can't call it up. But uh, uh, it starts with a B. Um, I'll think of it. All right. Sorry, Chris. We're we, yeah, we're totally we, dropping. We the ball owe you on a plug. One. We're dropping the ball on that. K a u b a. Okay. I'll. You know what? We'll find it out. We'll give him a shout at the top of next week's show. Just to make up for our ignorance here uh, on this one, I will mention though that um, that I went back and looked at his business card this week that I got from him a while back. So God knows who he was working for then. Oh yeah. Uh, but he described himself as a mixologist, sommelier, and artisan. Nice. Which I thought, you know, that's pretty good. If if you can get away with calling yourself an artisan, that's pretty good. And I think he qualifies. Oh, so yeah. I, I really uh, do. So, uh, uh, and just to follow up on that, I made the same martini that I always make, mm-hmm. but I did it stirred this time. Oh, and what did you think? It's much more rich. It's Interesting. much more delicious. Interesting. Okay. Also, I, I found that um, the way the uh, with the barrel aged gin, mm-hmm. the barrel rested gin, sorry, I think there's a. Barrel rested. Yeah, you can't say aged when it comes right, to Right, the barrel rested gin. I, uh, it The way that it interacts with the uh, the olives and the olive juice, which I used a little bit of, was much, much more pleasant. Last question before, you, before we go for you. What type of olives do you use? Not necessarily brand, but what, what type of olives? Do you use a green olive with a pimento? Do you use a... An olive. I've made them with uh, uh, with uh, blue cheese in them, uh, uh, which I kind of like. But like, what do you what do you so, use? So okay, so f- so olives with a pimento are just fine, mm-hmm. uh, and they go with almost any gin or botanical that you put in there. That mm-hmm. pimento cheese really really works with any of those. When you get to blue cheese, that can be works a with vodka flavor that doesn't really do gin very well. Okay, I could see that because so, the botanicals. And I in love the- blue cheese olives. Yeah, like, that's delicious. <laughs> But I can see that being more of a um, more of a vodka martini thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I use generally a, a green olive uh, with a pimento in there, and a lot of times I just use the juice that's with whatever olive I have. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have a bottle of olive juice that you know I got from Specs or whatever, but it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I, I use that olive juice uh, from Specs the same way. But my favorite martinis that I make actually use the juice from the jar of the I've, olives I've themselves. found when you buy the olive juice by itself mm-hmm. and use it, it's a little too salty sometimes. Mm, can be, yeah. Uh, and, and to me, like, you just have to be a little less spice. But the problem is if you put a little less in there, you get a little less of the olive flavor, but a little too much is a little too salty. Yes, so, yeah. I don't know, it's just kind of a balancing. So I generally just pour a little out of the jar from the olives I got. Well, uh, all of our talk about stouts earlier made me really crave a stout. Now this is making me crave a martini. So <laughs> yeah, well, perhaps we the rest should, of the day, brother. Perhaps we should, con- uh, perhaps we should unconvene. What, what is it? You convene when you start. What do you do? Is it a conscious uncoupling? Is that what you, I don't know. Uh, but do want to mention, by the way, coming up in just a couple of weeks, uh, the return of Jared Hempstead to the show. He is Ooh, from Balcones. Yes, they have. He was so interesting when we had him on the show before, and then they've had so much going on with Balcones yes. since we had him on. Plus, they just make fantastic whiskey. And damn it, we need to go visit Balcones. We sure do. Road trip is in order. We'll have to. And talk you know about what? That. I bet if we decide we're going to visit Balcones, I bet there's a few other places we could hit on the way. Mm-hmm. And on the way back. 
road trip. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks to uh, uh, Adam, our producer on the Wheels of Steel, who made sure that our effects were uh, firmly in place whenever we said on the show today, Ancient, ancient age. age. Thank you. Um, and that's the last time we'll do that, I promise. Uh, but have a, <laughs> that's not the last time we're going to do that. <laughs> okay. I was speaking for myself, not for my partner. Uh, have a great week, uh, week, everybody, and we are looking forward to seeing you back here for next week's show. Uh, enjoyable, this one was. Thank you, Ian. Cheers, great to see sir. You. Cheers, everybody. That's what happened.